0: Something magnificent is happening in the night sky above the northwest corner of Venezuela. It's where the Catatumbo River meets Lake Maracaibo. There, above the lake, streaks of lightning shock the sky. From a distance, the lightning is completely silent. But out there on the lake, in the thick of it, the atmosphere rumbles and thunder crashes. And it happens like this almost every single night. This phenomenon, this storm, has been happening here for as long as people can remember. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, we're joined by nature guide, author, and photographer Alan Hyten to talk about the most electric place on Earth, the everlasting lightning storm. That's after this.
1: Where I am right now, I am three minutes walk from one of the most beautiful coasts in the world, and sandy white beaches.
0: That's Alan Heaton. He is a nature expert, a photographer, and right now he's spending time with his family on the Caribbean island of Barbados.
1: Take my my wife and go with my daughter sometimes to the beach. They just like to swim and enjoy the sand and and the sun. But I am. My thing is the waves. I go in the ocean when the waves are good for
0: surfing. Alan's from Barbados originally, and it's where he met his Venezuelan wife in 1981.
1: And I went to see her country, ended up living there, and spent the next um, 36 years um, working in tourism and enjoying what I sincerely believe is the most beautiful country in the world, which is Venezuela. Right now, because of the uh, political and social and economic situation in Venezuela, I have moved back to my country, Barbados. I've been here for almost three years now and looking forward to going back.
0: In Venezuela, Alan was known for giving tours of the Lampego del Catatumbo, which literally translates to the Catatumbo Lightning. It's a lightning storm that shows up in the Venezuelan sky nearly every night. And this storm can rage for up to nine hours a night, lighting up the sky for up to 300 nights a year. And it happens just above the spot where the Catatumbo River flows into Lake Maracaibo in northwestern Venezuela. Alan first saw the storm while he was working at his father-in-law's farm in the 1980s.
1: I actually saw the lightning. I used to go and milk the cows every morning five in the morning, I'd go up on the mountain and bring the cows down. So from up on the mountain, I saw this lightning. And I didn't talk to anyone about it. And I really didn't know that it was a special phenomenon until years later. But I was very intrigued about this one little spot down there in the lowlands that nearly every morning at five, it would be flashing away. So that's when I first saw it.
0: Alan always admired the magnificence of Venezuela's scenery, from the giant birds and the butterflies of the forest to the storm that never really went away. Eventually, he became the first tour guide of that storm.
1: So I got into tourism, and then years later, um, I went down into that area, and then people started mentioning the Catatumbo lightning. And I realized that it was the same lightning I was seeing from up in the mountains. So it was very exciting, a great revelation. And no one was doing that. No one was actually taking tourists out to see this lightning. So I started doing it. So I can probably say that I'm a pioneer in that. I'm opening up that phenomenon for tourism.
0: Alan's tour had a guest house that let tourists immerse themselves in the Venezuelan landscape. They would wake up to orange sunrises. They'd tour lush green Venezuelan forests. They'd see morpho butterflies with their iridescent blue and pink wings. And of course, they would witness the flashes of the nocturnal, everlasting Catatumbo lightning storm. Years ago, I had a chance to visit the Rey Lampego de Catatumbo for myself. And I stood at the edge of Lake Maracaibo and watched as this storm boiled across the horizon. It was like watching one of the great storms that happen in the Midwest during summer, where you can see them coming for miles long before you hear them. Except, here in Venezuela, it happens every night. Alan says that the Catatumbo lightning happens in two episodes throughout the evening. The first starts early by the Catatumbo River.
1: Some of the native people, some of the local Venezuelan people, have always considered that the real Catatumbo lightning, the real authentic Catatumbo lightning.
0: Later in the night, the wind will carry the storm to Lake Maracaibo, and that's where the second episode happens. Then after midnight, that energy shifts, and that is the greatest lightning storm on Earth. Alan says that on a good night, the Catatumbo lightning storm can produce up to 46,000 flashes of lightning. And on an extraordinary night, it can produce up to 150,000 flashes. The Catatumbo lightning fluctuates in size from night to night, but Alan's seen firsthand just how far the storm can reach. You can
1: see the lightning from up where I live in the Andes very well, and I actually saw it from Los Llanos one time. I was approximately 500 kilometers away, and I saw it, but very, very small, very difficult to see, but I did see it, so... I I have proof, I've seen it myself, that it can be seen from 500 kilometers away.
0: Being able to see a storm from 500 kilometers away is wild. It's like seeing the Eiffel Tower from Western Germany or seeing the Statue of Liberty from Maine. During the colonial period of the Caribbean, sailors could see the storm from so far away that they used it like a lighthouse, a sort of guide for navigating the sea. And these nautical tales of the Maracaibo lightning go way, way back. In 1595, poet Lope de Vega wrote a story about an English naval officer, Sir Francis Drake, who tried to capture the city of Maracaibo by night, but was repelled because his ship was revealed by the storm's lightning flashes. Allen says that because the Catatumbo lightning storm is so visible from so far away, a lot of people that see the storm won't hear any thunder. And so they think it's silent. In fact, even as close as 18 miles away, you won't hear anything at all.
1: So that creates this myth that the lightning has no thunder. They, they're, just, they're just unaware of that fact, that, and you cannot hear the thunder from a distance. But all lightning
0: has thunder. The Lampego de Catatumbo usually appears at night, and even though it's called the everlasting storm, like most storms, it comes and goes in intensity with the seasons. Alan says you'll see a lot of lightning from May to November. And he let us in on a, a little secret.
1: If I tell too many people what the best season is, they're all going to want to come in that season. But I've kind of gotten over that now, especially I'm not really there anymore. So I will, I will reveal to you that normally, well, my, my favorite month is October. October and the first couple of weeks in, in November.
0: You could see a small lightning storm in January or a giant one in November. But one thing is certain. The storm is nearly always there. It's everlasting. And most people think it's been that way nearly forever, or as long as humans have been around to see it anyway. And scientists haven't figured out when exactly the Ray Lampego de Catatumbo started, but they do know why it keeps happening. When humid air from the Caribbean Sea mixes with the cool air from the Andes Mountains, it creates the perfect environment for lightning.
1: The reason behind the Ketatumbo lightning, it's caused by the topography. And topography is the main element. And that topography has existed millions of years, at least 5 million years. So uh, one can presume that this lightning has been going on for um, that whole time.
0: The Guinness Book of World Records calls the Catatumbo lightning the most electric place on Earth. But for locals in the nearby fishing villages, the lightning isn't some distant spectacle. It's dangerous, and sometimes it's deadly.
1: I personally know of about 10 cases of local people out there being struck by lightning, and there are probably a lot more. And we've, we've tried to teach the fishermen how to protect themselves from lightning. It is, of course, it is dangerous if you have that much lightning and if you're out there fishing, standing in a boat out there in the middle of these storms of fishing.
0: Living near the Catatumbo, you are three to four times more likely to die from a lightning strike than if you live anywhere in the US. Allen says that there have been some attempts to make the area safer, and in 2016, scientists conducted a study to predict the lightning patterns near the Catatumbo River. But Alan says not much stuck when it came to keeping the villagers safer.
1: Apart from that, no, there's, there hasn't been any real um, uh, government initiative or any official initiative to provide more, more safety for them.
0: Alan left Venezuela three years ago. Like many others, he fled the country due to the humanitarian crisis that's become increasingly severe over the last few years. Lately, Alan's been writing a book about his experiences with Venezuelan nature and hoping to capture both the hazards and the beauty of the Catatumbo lightning storm. The Relampego de Catatumbo represents a truly unusual place in the world, one that could for Venezuelans be an enormous asset in tourism. But as it stands, not even Alan, the tour guide, can be there. For now, he waits and he writes and he hopes that one day he'll return to what he considers the most beautiful country in the world, to stand in awe beneath the storm that never ends.
1: Well, I always believe that whatever you do in this life has to have a larger purpose. Of course, I am I will be very honest, I'm writing my book and I would really like to help the people that are out there in Venezuela, especially the people in the Catacombo. They live in a very remote place. Life is very difficult, even more difficult now with this pandemic and everything. So and this will also be focused on finding a way to help them to create more awareness of their existence, to get more people on board to, to help them.
0: Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder, Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Guinevere Govea, McKenna Smith, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you soon. Witness Docs from Stitcher.